Welcome to the One Life Podcast. Being a business owner is potentially the best path to build personal wealth. However, embarking on an opportunity, whether full-time or as a side hustle, is incredibly tough. I believe that understanding finances is integral to the success of your business. The purpose of this podcast is to empower you to understand, manage and grow your business finances and therefore your personal wealth. I invite you to join me every Friday as I share insights and actionable strategies to make your business serve you rather than you serve your business. I'm your host, Andrew Wilson. Well, hello guys. I hope you're all well and you're looking after yourselves. This is episode six of the One Life Business Podcast. So let's have a little bit of a recap. Episode four was where I gave you the first actionable strategies to look at your overheads. And I gave you a couple of tasks that hopefully you've been through and you've been able to save yourself a bit of money on your overheads or at least identify what they are and keep a track of it. Then we had the interview with my friend Avic, and that for me was very telling, and hopefully you guys got some value from that. So today, what I wanted to do was take the next step and the next expenses that I want you to look at in your P&L. But before we get there, what I wanted to do very quickly was talk about what successful businesses do and successful business owners do. What I've learned over time is that it's the little steps. It's, the, it's those little things that you do consistently that are compounded. And when I say it's the little things, it's the stuff such as you look at your overheads, you look at your costs, but you consistently review those things. And today, I'd like to talk to you about your cost of sales in particular. Now, your cost of sales are your direct job costs. So these are, if you're in a service-based industry, it's the cost of your employees to provide a service. If you're in a product-based industry and you're providing products to your your customers, then it's the cost of those products. Often, you find businesses that actually offer both. So they provide a service and they provide products to do that service. So if you can reduce the costs of the products you're selling or the services you're providing, this will feed directly into your net profit. It's not an easy task, okay, but with some time and effort, you can absolutely make savings and it literally will pay you dividends. So let's look at product sales first. To save money, these need to be built or they need to be bought at less than what you are paying at present. Many suppliers are actually open to negotiation and just because you haven't approached them, it doesn't mean it's not possible. What I've actually found is that it makes much more sense to try and get a face-to-face with your supplier or try and speak on, I mean, nowadays, after COVID, you can certainly speak on Zoom to suppliers. And what I've found really works is to present to them the vision for the business. And the vision is for you to become more successful, sell more products. And if you sell more products, they make more money. So it's in their interests as well. There are a number of things you can speak to them about. The first one I would suggest is bulk buying up front at a discounted price. That's always an interesting one because you need to be confident that you're going to sell those products. The second one is for them to offer you favorable payment terms, such as paying on receipt of the goods or within, say, five days. And in return, you receive a prompt payment discount. You receive a bit of a discount, which is a few percent less 
than what others would pay, which therefore feeds into your bottom line. Every percent counts. Just because you get a 1% discount doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It doesn't hurt to speak to your suppliers and ask. Now, there's another option, and I quite like this one. If you give your suppliers a heads up about this early, you'll be surprised at how many of them are willing to consider this, and that is to have a purchase or target-based approach. And you agree the more you buy over a period of time, the lower the price becomes. It's not the same as bulk buying, you see, because that's all at once. This is a stepped approach. So the current price is X. If we buy a 1,000 items, you will then reduce your price to Y. If we buy 2,000 items, then you'll reduce your price to and you'll be surprised at what you can negotiate. And as you grow, the more your suppliers will want to work with you. It is a big part about relationships. And one of the things that's really important here is having those conversations. In the business that I'm the finance director of, and we do exactly this target-based approach, if we achieve X, you will give us Y. And it's in their interests to do that. So let's look if you are selling your services and this is a different challenge entirely. You need to provide your service as efficiently and as effectively as possible whilst making sure you do not devalue the quality of the service being provided. And in most industries, the golden ticket is to achieve a return of three times an employee's wage. The basis of this is a third for the wage, a third for overheads, and a third for profit. For you, getting to the optimal amount of chargeable work completed by your employees is of prime importance. If you pay an employee £150 for a day's work and you charge £150, then you won't only not cover your costs, but you won't cover your overheads either. And then what that means, and this is the crux of the situation is, as a standalone, okay, you may accept that one job, but then on the next job where you do make some money, you've got to make double the amount of money to maintain that third, third, third relationship that I've spoken about. An important element of this is to really look at the jobs that you're doing, to sit down and actually put in place a format for tracking the hours that you're spending on each client's job, because it's really eye-opening. And what you'll find is some clients that are not paying huge amounts of money are really draining the number of hours that your employees have and you have because you're trying to build your business but some of the clients will require more looking after than others. That's the reason for tracking the hours. If you track the hours that you spend on each job, if you have separate contracts, make sure you track it by contract and by customer because what you can do is you can build up a profile of the demands that those customers are putting on you. I'll give you an example. In an accountancy firm, you are providing the same services. So let's say you're providing a year-end set of accounts and the turnover of the client is a million pounds. In theory, one set of accounts should take as long as the other set of accounts. But in practice, that never really happens. So the trick here is to track the number of hours that it's taking you, the amount of time that you spend conversing with the client and sourcing information from the client, because you may find that on one client compared to the other, you're spending double the amount of time. 
If you have a set wage structure in your business, this will give you confidence that your sales pricing policy, set at the right levels, will give you the returns that you require. It's also important to have a clear bonus structure for employees to be awarded when targets are achieved. If you do not track the efficiency of the jobs or the contracts, client-specific, which means having the data to compare the employees and ensure your gross profit margin is as expected and is as maintained. If you don't have that data, you can't compare and it's all piled into one big lump of, yes, as a business, this is what we've earned. But what you really want to do is break it down by contract or client, as I've said. I want to also be clear that striving for your personal financial independence in a business requires team effort. It's about having a clear business plan and communicating your business goals, which enables all of your employees to buy in. The reason you want buy-in for your employees is that you need your employees. Without them, you're going to be working alone. And the kind of margins that you want to achieve and the bottom line profit that you want to show and the money that you want to draw from the business will be limited. And as you heard from Avic last week, you will be the constraining factor. In most industries nowadays, apart from let's say software as a service, where your initial outlay is upfront, if you provide products or services, every percentage reduction in your cost of your overheads and your cost of sales is important. And it really does pay dividends. Often you can find businesses that will reduce their overheads by 5%. Initially, it doesn't feel like very much. It's a very small amount of money that you think, do you know what, was it worthwhile spending my time on that? But think about it. Once you've done it once, that 5% will follow through for future years. Okay, so it's not just a one-off 5% reduction. You will hold your suppliers accountable. You will hold your, your providers of overheads accountable. And this saving and efficiency is again feeding directly into your net profit figure. And that's really important to recognize. In the business that I work in, we have been working tirelessly on our gross profit margins and our gross margins on each of the individual contracts. We've broken it down to the nth element. Department managers now understand the intricacies and the different contracts and the different clients that give different gross profit margins. And we have moved the business's gross profit margin by over 6%. And that has taken a number of years. 6% may not sound like a lot to any of you listening to this, but at 30 million or 40 million pounds turnover, you're talking about 1.8 million pounds to 2.4 million pounds. That is significant. And this is all scalable. So if you turn over 100,000 pounds and you save 6%, That's £6,000. Now, you can't tell me that there's any business owner out there that doesn't want £6,000 and wants to give it away for free. And then compound that by the number of years. This is exactly why this is so important to do. So I think what you're learning over time is that nothing I'm going to suggest is going to be particularly difficult on its own. I'm not going to give you a saving pill. I'm not going to give you any answer that you can put in place tomorrow and it will instantly make your business, revolutionize your business and give you huge profits. The best businesses out there, as I mentioned earlier, do the little things well and they do them consistently. But the things they do are not only simple, 
they're also easy to do when you look at them individually. So I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't think you guys can do. But if you don't do it, you won't be on that route to do the little things well and the rest will follow. The habit of doing the ordinary, little, insignificant, everyday things with the money and the finances of your business will ultimately lead to success. And I appreciate accountancy and numbers and figures to lots of people are mundane and boring. But as I said at the start, the ultimate success of your business and the ultimate success of your route to financial independence is control of your finances. I hope you got value from that, guys. Let me know what your thoughts are. Please give me a rating and review. And if you haven't listened from the first podcast, go back to podcast one. You'll find a bit more about me and listen as we go through because I'm going to try and take you on a bit of a journey. So far, following my introductory podcast, I've had a couple of guests on, Jason Greystone and Avic Ray, that have provided an incredible amount of value. And I've also given you a couple of podcasts, including this one, with some strategies and some techniques to try to save you a bit of money on your costs okay guys have a good week and take care